From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. With over 30 years of experience right here in the trenches, I'm a guy that does this stuff every day. We make decisions around here and marketing plans and campaigns and hire people and set people free. And we do all kinds of stuff around here every day. And we're here to help you move your business along through the five stages of business. If you've got a question and you want to be part of the program, you can leave us your question. We'll get back with you and make you a schedule you to be a caller at entreleadership.com slash ask or leave a voicemail at 844-944-1070, Starting today's podcast off, Matt is going to be with us in Charleston, South Carolina. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast, Matt. Hey, Dave. How are you today? Better than I deserve. What's up? Not much, man. Uh, I'm a business owner of a candy business that has two part-time employees, and I recently hired my first full-time employee. How do I help this employee learn the importance of production speed and develop a sense of urgency? What are we producing the candy? Uh, Yes. So it's uh, a production assistant. She's Help me produce and bag candy. Uh, it's a freeze-dried candy business. Um, it involves uh, stocking up for farmers markets, setting up, and you know, putting farmers markets down. Um, Obviously, <clears throat> she's then, slow. Why is she slow? Uh, she comes from a background of working in offices. Um, I people I do stuff fast in offices. Uh they could, yes. I think there's two sides of the aisle for any industry, I guess. Um, fast paced or slow paced. Uh, she's been with me for about three months and I've had, you know, her 90 day review and we've kind of discussed this, but I still haven't seen any improvement. And I, I've also kind of noticed more or less that she's on her phone. Um, not all the time, but there still isn't like a sense of urgency. How old is she? Uh, she's 38. Okay. Well, she's too old to be acting like a 16 year old. I agree. And who plays on their freaking phone at work? That's 38 when it's a two person operation and your boss is standing beside you. Good Lord. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, she may be just dumb. I mean, golly, that's hard to believe. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, the difference is I'm going to, we don't have to have 90 day reviews. We can have nine second reviews like, Hey, get off your phone. We got to get this done. That's a review. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to embarrass her in front of somebody else. I'm not going to be mean to her, but I, I can course correct this stuff in the moment and have just look, look, this is what we got to do. This, this is a small business. It's you and me. When you're not getting your stuff done, we're not getting it done. And so that's why you're here. If you don't want to do this, it's okay. Just let me know. But this is how we get, we got to go. We got to go. We got to get it. We got to get it. Step yeah, it up. Initially, initially what I was doing was production sheets with like time, like estimated times on there. And, you know, based off Aren't of. Aren't you standing there? Where, yes. Yes, I am. Okay. And I, there are moments where I have to like be very abrasive. Like, Hey, listen, it's, it's going on 11 o'clock. You should have been done by now. We need to move on to the next prop, you know, project. And there's still kind of like, you know, that I, 
you know, okay. But if she's scheduled till four, she'll work till four thirty or five sometimes and work slow. Whereas I told her, I was like, I don't want you to have to do that. I want you to be able to, you know, leave it four because you're scheduled till four. Oh, leave it three. Cause you got it all done. Oh my God. You know, we're self-employed here. So, um, all right. I, I, Henry Cloud says in his book, Necessary Endings, that you have to bring an ending to something when you've lost hope. I, I haven't been in this conversation for very long, and I don't have a lot of hope. Okay. I mean, I, everything I've heard sounds like this This person is not trainable. Now, she might be, and so we, out of an effort of kindness and clarity, and since you might not have been clear, because you did use the word kinda, I don't like the word kinda around having these conversations. It needs to be very clear, crystal clear. Like this is a deal breaker clear. So you need to have a what we call an emotional firing and where we sit down and say, okay, here's what's going on. There's just two people here and um, you being on your phone and not getting the candy bagged and getting stuff done very, very, very quickly like I do is not going to work for me. And if you can't do that, then we're not going to be able to do this thing together. You're going to have to work somewhere else. And I, I, you know, I don't want to be mean to you, but I want to be very, very clear that the here's the exact expectation. And if, if you're not going to be able or want to do that, I understand. I'm okay with that. But let's just decide right now. We'll call it. But if you want to give it a shot, then you're going to have to do this because we're not going. To, I'm not going to talk to you about this every two weeks for the next five years. Okay. I'm, I'm, you're an adult. I'm not, you're not, I'm not your parent. And, and, um, and, and I want to give you the dignity of making your own choices, but you're going to choose to do this as a part, as a condition of further employment. That yeah. makes sense. <clears throat> no, I understand. Yeah. I don't it, think it, you've it, been it, blunt with her. I think you're yeah, more frustrated I, in your head than your mouth. I would probably say so. Yeah. Because I, I, I got to tell you, this is where the, it was exactly this stage of treadmill moving from treadmill up into Pathfinder that I had the experience because I, and I've told this before and you may have heard it, Matt. So bear with me. I'm sorry. Old men tell stories over and over. But the, uh, you know, I, I reached the point that I realized, OK, I'm Southern, which means I have to be nice to everyone while I'm pissed off inside. And I say stuff like, bless your heart, which may mean I'm going to slit your throat. Right. And so, you know, and so I thought I was being nice by not addressing these things directly. And I finally figured out that it wasn't fair to them because they didn't know how close they were to leaving. That's unfair. And so we've developed a saying around here. We say all the time, and that is to be unclear is to ultimately be unkind. You're going to be unkind. If you don't tell them it's not fair to her. And so you got to love her enough. You got to care enough about her as a person to give her the dignity to know where she stands in this situation. And again, we're not yelling and screaming and cussing and we're not being abrasive, but we need to be very direct, sit down, direct, uncomfortable eye contact. Everything else is quiet. There's not another person around. So there's not an embarrassing thing, but we're going to say, listen, this has really reached a serious point. And this is a difficult conversation. And this is for the next few minutes, this is going to be uncomfortable for you. It's going to be uncomfortable for me. But I owe you clarity. And I want to give you some clarity. I can't keep you here on our team if we don't improve in these three specific areas. We've talked about them in general. If I've been unclear, I apologize for that. I'm going to make up for it today with crystal clarity. Today, we're saying 
this is what it is. And I'm not going to beg you to do this. This is what it takes for you to continue to be here. When you do all of that, she's either going to walk out the door or you're going to have to fire her three weeks from now because she's not going to do it, I don't think. But I think you owe her the chance to turn it around. Occasionally someone surprises you and goes, oh, I had no idea. And they become a, ca- a candy bagging fool, man. I mean, they can get it done all of a sudden, right? But um, it, that she might just find another gear in there and just thought, well, I don't know. But so many people work yeah. at, they work <clears throat> at quarter speed at other places. And then when they come to work for a small business, they find out we work at one and a quarter speed. And so 125% of get them. Right. And so they, yeah, they just don't, they can't keep up. I mean, I, I've had folks come to work here and they can't even keep up with me while I'm walking through the airport. I mean, come on, we're going, let's go. What are y'all doing? Stand around back there. We're shopping in the airport. The food's not that good. Let's, let's go. Come on. And, and you know, yeah. stand around on stuff. So yeah. And, but we're going to have all, and, and then on the spot, we're going to, you know, maybe have one more conversation and go, okay, look, remember we talked about this. And then after that, I'm going to just call it. I'm just going to tap or tap out, and and, and you got to start again. Okay. And then what you're hiring for is is a high energy person. You're you know you and you don't you can't hire a sloth. They move slow. You know you got to hire a you know hyper because you remove lots of little pieces of candy in little bags really really fast. You know it's and there's got to be a thing that goes with that. And some things you do want to hire somebody who moves a little slower and with some wisdom and pace, but this is like pack the freaking candy, do it, you know? So, um, and and you kind of know that about you and maybe in the interview process. So, but I thought I, I was so dumb when I first started, I thought if you hired people that they would just work. Well, that was dumb. Okay. But I thought they'd show up on time. That was dumb. I thought they would care. Uh, they don't. Now, some do. I got a building full of folk that do. But we've been through a, you know, a few hundred that didn't. And we said, well, that was a mistake. I'm so sorry. We made a mistake. You made a mistake. You can't be here anymore. That's how this works. So, yeah. So, Matt, some of this is on you as a young leader. You're trying to be nice. And ultimately, you're not being nice. You're being unkind by being unclear. Crystal surgical clarity scalpel clarity razor sharp clarity you owe her that you're being unfair if you're unclear this is the entree leadership podcast this episode is brought to you by trainual even when you're great at running the day-to-day a lot of leaders struggle to delegate But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory, You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit Trainual.com slash Entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code Entree15. 
That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. Thank you for joining us here on the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Hands-on practical help from people who do hands-on practical things every day. That's me. And we're here with you. And you can call in and be part of the program. Call us at 844-944-1070. Mark is in Kansas City. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hey, Dave. It's an honor to speak with you today. You too, sir. How can we help? Long, long-time caller, and I just want to appreciate everything you've... Um, I've listened to her for years and put into business practices. A little short background about us. So we are a general contracting firm in Kansas City, uh, started in 2002 and survived the Great Recession and COVID. And last year, we uh, grossed just over $17 million, which was great. Wow. Um, I am curious on a couple fronts. One, we continue to grow over the years, and we've actually broken our company into two now. So we have a general contracting construction firm and a real estate uh, holding firm that we uh, hold on the side that we've amassed almost $6 million of real estate that we hold as rentals and investment properties and stuff like that. Uh, I am currently 48 years old, and my daughter uh, will graduate from uh, K-State in a couple years and is interested in coming to work for us. And I'm looking at long-term, she seems to really like it, and just the best way to... I don't know, turn the company over. I mean, we're talking probably 20 years down the road. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But um, just as we do continue to grow and, you know, hopefully keep killing it, um, what's the best way to bring her in without putting her into debt and other things to get money out of the real estate company that I'll eventually have to have to retire? Because most of the money that we make we put back into the real estate company to pay debt off. We have a small debt still left to pay on it, but uh, of the $6 million, we only owe about $300,000 left right now. Why can't you just keep the real estate as your retirement? I could. And, and, that would give, be one and you could give her the construction company. I could, if she wanted to do that. And then, but it's still, you know, how do you buy into that? Cause I do, um, I have a business partner that we're 50-50 partners with, so oh. for me to get money out, I will have to at least get some money out of it. Why do you need to get like money out of it? If you've got That's if you got all the real case. estate and or if you got all the real estate and it's paid for, can you live on that? I mean, I could. Okay. But again, I have you know, I split the profits with my business partner and everything. I understand. And but you're you're fifty percent owner in the in the construction company, and you would be leaving her the fifty percent of your ownership. Yes. In both companies, I'm 50% owner. In the real estate company and the construction company. Oh, crap. Okay. That's so messy. Okay. I know, but that's the way we started off. And it's been very successful. So, I mean, it's been... We are good business partners. I know you always say the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. But this one's actually worked out pretty good. This one's still floating, yeah. Um, All right. The... uh, But now we run into the problem with the succession. So... Uh, what's he going to do with his half? Tough to say. Um, I don't know if he'd want to. You got buy sell agreements with, and you got buy sell agreements in the event of death with insurance on both of them. We do, yes. Okay, so he dies, you become the owner. 
vis-a-vis yes. life insurance, right? Yes. Or vice versa. Yes. So we've set all that up. Okay. Well, you need an estate planning uh, attorney to help you walk through this, and you've got to make some decisions on what you're going to, how you're going to do this. If she's going to buy you out, that's different than you leaving her the business. No, that's complete. You're correct on that. And we do have um, trust in place and have set all that up in terms of, you know, God forbid I die or something. That's all taken care of. My question is more, you know, hopefully I'll live for another 50 years and get to enjoy the fruits of my labor and everything. And But I don't want to, you know, I do have to pull some money out of it and I don't want to put her into debt to do that. Because um, you can't just take, you know, someone coming up and go, okay, well, I'm going to sell my six million or be three million for me. You know, she can't just do that right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, the, that, what I, what I was challenging is, is that I'm not sure that she has to, that you, for you to exist in retirement, I'm not sure she has to buy you out of both. So let me get, here's, here, here's my point. Okay. Ramsey is 99% owned by the Ramsey Children's Trust. It's already transferred to my kids. Okay. It didn't didn't charge them a dime because I don't own it. I manage it for God. I want them to not own it, but manage it for God. And it was transferred to them. Um, I've got plenty of money outside of Ramsey that I can live on, and that's where I kept my head kept going with this separating the real estate from the construction company. Um, the com- the complication is a whether you need money beyond the real but beyond the thing to be able to do that you'd have to be able to pull that off now the one percent that i own by the way is the only voting stock so i own 100 percent control of what happens at ramsey solutions still and i'll transfer that last at my retirement or at my death but i'm not charging the next generation a dime um uh, for this and i want them to manage it for the kingdom of god and for the future of our family and so on uh, as a ministry as a stewardship saying for God. So that's how we're viewing it. That's not necessarily indicting someone that charges the next generation. If you're going to charge the next generation, an easy way to do that is simply have them uh, buy it out, pay you uh, the lion's share of the profits until you get your number. So they're going to pay you 80% of profits until you hit your number from the time that they become the owner. And it's a f- owner finance deal. You're not going to get it out in one fell swoop, but you're going to get it out in a few years. What were your profits last year as an example? Net profit taxable income. Oh, in both companies is about two and a half. No, million. just the construction. The construction company was a little over two million. Profit. Profit, yeah. And so your part was a million. Correct. And if you sold it to her today, which you're not going to, your half is your half of that construction company you think is worth what? I mean, depending on how you valued it. I mean, if you take normal four to five times yep. net profits of four to five million. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere in there. So you get 80% of the profits until you hit the four million number, which is going to take what? Three, four years. Something like that. Yep. So basically just if she grows if she it, if she grows company. it, she might do it even faster, right? But somewhere in there. But, I mean, if we did the transaction today, that could be how it is. And you get your money out over a three, four, five-year period of time out of the 80% of the profits. And she's, you know, gets paid and runs the business, her half of the business for that. And the the buy-sell transfers to her. 
and is on her life, not yours, um, and and on your partner, and your partner transfers to her. So if he dies, she gets his half by buying out his widow with the life insurance proceeds like you do now, right? So you transfer all that over at the time you transfer ownership. Now, if you gift it to them, you this year you can have up to a $12.9 million dollar uh, you have a $12.9 million ex- uh, uh, valuation, I'm sorry, a federal estate plan exemption. And so you can, you can go ahead and start moving stock, which is what we did before Ram- many, many, many years ago. We started moving the Ramsey stock into the Children's Trust, uh, the LLC shares into the Children's Trust before the company's value had increased so much. That, and that way we were able to do that under gift tax laws under the exemptions. So I had a $12 million exemption. My wife had a $12 million exemption. So we were able to move $24 million worth of value over into the kids' names. And so there's zero tax. And it went into a trust, children's trust. So there's going to be zero tax generationally on the estate. Otherwise, a stinking estate gets taxed at 55%. So you got a hundred million at 55%. You got a $55 million tax bill that we avoided if you said it was a $100 million business, and it's more than that now. But so that that's the, the beauty of starting to think about this now. So you can begin to transfer shares, but you've got to have a have a detailed plan with the partner because if 40% of the shares are transferred four years from now and you die, you still got 60% of your half. Uh, this is really gets convoluted as crud. You follow me? No, I do, yeah. So you really got to comb. You really got to comb the hair on this thing and get the tangles out. And everybody knows what happens in every little freaking corner of this thing. And so you're going to drop some coin on estate planning to do this right and to avoid her getting her butt taxed off by inheriting this thing at full value. If she, if you just leave it to her at full value and she hasn't bought any of it or it hadn't been transferred before your death under the exemptions, you, she's going to get hammered on taxes. Because our our you know a family that grows a successful fifty million dollar business gets destroyed in our current tax code. So it'd be best to start looking at some of that stuff to start transferring some stuff over. Maybe. But how do you when you transfer it over? How do you still maintain control? I guess. I got a hundred percent control, and I only own one percent. I got the only voting stock. They have powerless stock. Okay. I could sell the whole thing for a dollar and they're screwed. I'm in control. That makes sense? So, I mean, yeah. I can make all the decisions. Now, the weird thing is, is I actually still don't make all the decisions. I involve everybody else. So I'm pretty democratic, so to speak, about the decision-making process around here with our leaders and with our family too. So, uh, but if I, but I actually legally, technically hold the Trump card that I can play whenever I want. So that's what I'm saying. So all of this is to say, if she's going to move into the business and if she's going to take your half, you got to figure out how this is going to unwind with the partner, how the real estate's going to stand separately. You need to quit treating those as one transaction. They're two different transactions. And you've got a third element of you got to deal with the partner and all of that inside of your current today, 2023 is 12.92. And if you're married, that's times two on your federal exemption, $12,920,000. Only the government could come up with a number like that. But um, it's actually inflation indexed is what happened. But, yeah, so if you're a couple, you can move $24 million at death or prior to death with no income tax. But if you got $50 million, 
It's a problem. You're going to get hammered if you hadn't already moved it before your $20 million company became a $50 million company in terms of actual valuation. And you're going to have to get outside valuation firms to do the valuation. But you and I are pretty close on the numbers we just ran here. So you've got a little time because your business is not going to be out. Your half is not going to be outside those exemptions very soon. But you want to, you know, you want to be five years ahead of the curve on it minimum. So you can start moving it gradually and keep control and uh, make sure you dodge those exemption numbers. So get with an estate planning attorney and you're going to have to reopen the partnership discussion and say, tell your partner, this is how my half is going to be acting. And oh, by the way, I'd love to know how your half is going to be acting. What are you planning to do with that? Because you and I working together has been fine. You may not want to work with my daughter. Um, or your, your son may not want to work with my daughter. I don't know, but how, how are we going to do this? Or do you want us to buy you out at some point? Uh, you may want to start the discussions on that. I don't know. You can play that through. The real estate is a standalone thing. That's a little easier because you can just liquidate the crud out of that, turn it into money, and everybody take their part. So that's a lot easier thing to do in that process too. So, uh, man, that's a, that's a fun question. So the beautiful thing about transferring ownership if you'll get ahead of it like you are like she's just coming out of college so you're thinking about it that's very wise oftentimes i'm talking to somebody the son or the daughter's 50 and they're 70 and they're just now thinking about it well you're done screwed this up son you waited too late you need to get with it early like like this guy way to go mark you're a hero this is the entree leadership podcast hey By this time of year, you've set goals for your business, communicated them to your team, and are making them happen together. But while you're busy getting after it, don't forget the primary goal of every single one of your employees, to get paid on time and in the right amount. Payroll, it isn't the most fun part of your business, but it's probably the most necessary. So skip the payroll stress and check out Payority. They're a comprehensive payroll company that does it all for you. Just send Payority some basic info, and they handle everything else. Direct deposits, deductions, reimbursements, tax filings, forms, all the things. If your business has 1 to 100 employees, Payority is perfect for you. And if you need support, you talk to an actual human who cares about helping you, saving you time, increasing your profitability, and giving you some very necessary peace of mind. Plus, Payority makes switching payroll providers easy. Go to payority.com slash entree leadership today for a free consultation. That's payority.com slash entree leadership. Thanks for joining us here on the Entree Leadership Podcast. As business owners, do you ever feel like you're herding cats trying to nail jello to a tree? Yeah, you know the metaphors. Coach a five year old hockey team. <laughs> Would you please stay on that side of the ice? Please. Stay in position. They don't even know. Chase, everybody chase the puck. It's like a little magnet. Yeah, everybody's running around doing their own thing. Nobody's aligned. You ever feel that way? I've been there. Sounds like you might be at the pathfinder stage of entree leadership in the five stages. This is the second stage. And chaos can be uh, winning, but you can beat chaos back with a stick. You can make chaos leave the room. We can get the ducks in a row. Boy, we got a lot of metaphors in this. Uh, Hey, With a digital membership to Entree Leadership Elite, you'll get a customized action plan to help you solve the key challenges you face in the Pathfinder stage. I remember this stage. And I am a um, 
believe it or not, I'm such a big nerd that I cannot stand chaos. And so I did not enjoy the chaotic stage of business. It is not, and Pathfinder is definitely that. There's it, it, Everything's working, but it's all just a dadgum salad all the time, man. It's just stuff going everywhere. Man, there's a lot of weather force in this. But yeah, salad, hockey teams, I mean, there's everything here. But it's, it's just anything that represents chaos, we can do that, right? So don't worry if you're not in the Pathfinder stage. Elite can also help you whatever stage you're in. Maybe you're in the legacy builder stage, like Mark. He's starting to think about legacy. He's starting to think of that last caller. He's thinking about uh, his succession plan. Sign up for a free 30-day trial to Entree Leadership Elite. Did I mention it's free? You can cancel anytime. It's free for 30 days. No hassle. we got a feeling once you try it, you're going to stick around. Most do. So if you've got a business from five people to about 200 people, if you're just dreaming and thinking of a business, you probably don't want to do Elite. It's not really for you. It's designed for people that are actually doing a business today and have the actual today problems of their stage, and we can help them level up and go to the next stage. So check out entreeleadership.com slash elite. entreeleadership.com slash elite. Alex is with us in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. How can I help? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, we are a construction company, uh, like you said, in Raleigh, North Carolina, with about 35 employees. Uh, we've been in business for uh, over 25 years. Um, we, uh, our work requires four to five pieces, different pieces of equipment for each of our construction teams on every job. Uh, the cost of each piece of equipment ranges from uh, $70,000 to $700,000 uh, brand new. Uh, my question for you, what I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, what are the key things I should be thinking about to determine if I should keep repairing our old equipment or scrap it, sell it, and buy something new? We've got some equipment that's 10 plus uh, to 20 years old, and uh, you know the environment we work in, we, we do have to make um, repairs and, and maintain equipment. So just trying to get some get some ideas on when should we stop putting maybe good money into to something that's that's not not worth it? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a financial analysis to do, um, and there's a couple things that enter into it. N- number one, when you say seven hundred thousand with the numbers you gave me, um, you're going to be repairing that. You're not going to be buying that. That's not that's not in your budget. You don't make enough money to buy five of those. Right, that right. Would, that would be ridiculous. Okay, so we're not on that brand new scale now. If you told me you made three hundred fifty million and you wanted to spend seven hundred grand, I mean, we can just go do that. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, but because that's a ratio to your profits. If it's a small percentage of your company or of your profits of your company, your gross or your net, either one, your gross revs or your profits. Um, th- then it, then I've got a less tolerance factor to, for anything breaking and I'm probably buying brand new and forget it. Like I don't buy, I'm, I run a $300 million company. We don't buy used computers. Okay. We just, they're not that expensive as a ratio. Uh, right. but, but if I were buying something that was a hundred million dollars, I might buy something used, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's the ratio you're dealing with. So the, the thing one is the rate, how big a deal is this? And 700 out of, you said what, seven, what'd you say the total gross was? 35. 
Uh, we have uh, no. We actually have thirty-five employees. Our gross revenues uh, a little over nine million a year. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And on, so if you, yeah. if you bought two seven hundred thousand dollars pieces of equipment, that chokes the whole place. You That's can't. Right. You can't breathe. Right. Right. And, and mm-hmm. in cash, and of course, I'm going to tell you, never borrow money. So that's not an option. So this is a big enough purchase in ratio to your revenues that it's going to demand more used equipment and more repairs be tolerated. Um, now, then the the other end of the equation is obviously the equipment has to be reliable. If you're down 50% of the time, you can't get your dadgum work done. Well, now it's the same as not having it. That's right. And so uh, that that's ridiculous. So you can't do that. So down on the other end of the equation is you've got to keep it operable. But but what happens is, um, and I, I there's a few people that are exceptions, but I'm not an exception. And I don't. I, and you might be, but I doubt you are. If I'm in that situation, um. My, uh, I, 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 I'm going to tend towards buying nicer stuff because I'm a boy and I like toys. Okay. My natural tendency is to buy the nicer thing, the newer thing and not have to screw with it. Okay. That's my right. natural. And, and I think that's true of most of us. We're like, I would just rather have a better one. Screw it. You know? And, uh, that kind of thing. And I don't want the hassle either. And I get, I, in other words, I'm emotional, about it rather than mathematical. Uh, now, and so if I know that about myself, then I have to force myself to doing an actual math analysis on this and saying, okay, here's the thing. Now, here's an example of that. All right. It, let's say uh, in a personal situation, you were driving a $2,000 car, a hoopty, right? And yep. the truth is, versus buying a $10,000 car, that $8,000 more you would spend on that car you would never spend that in a hundred years on that $2,000 car in repairs. So you can never mathematically justify moving from a $2,000 car to an $8,000 car based on repairs. Cause you can, you, right. you, you can't, you can rebuild that car six times for, for $5,000 and still not have spent the $8,000 to move up. You know what I'm saying? And so you can yes, do sir. that type of analysis here and, um, for instance, uh, I've got a, a friend that has a heavy equipment operation, and they're, they're running, you know, like cat dozers and uh, the the off road truck, off road dump trucks, the massive stuff, right? It's a massive. Op- he's got a lot of money in equipment, and but he runs old stuff because you can repair that cat stuff the rest of your life, versus moving from twenty to, instead of for twenty five thousand uh, dollars, it's worth twenty five today to buy that older you know, antique almost dozer, but the stupid things will run 50 years if you keep them repaired. Uh, and you, he cannot justify a $250,000 upgrade from a $50,000 dozer. He can't come out on it ever. And he can't justify it. He'll never make that repairs in a million years. So the only reason he can make a jump up is just the equipment lays down and won't get back up. All right. Right. And it's, yeah. but it's really not due to, I've spent so much on repairs. Uh, this car is killing me. No, it's not killing you $8,000 worth of two, you know, and that's the ratio kind of thing you're looking at. So I don't know the equipment or the details and you do on your stuff, but, uh, so I'm telling you avoid, 
uh, let's develop a couple principles out of my uh, meandering yakking here. Principle number one is if it's a large portion of your overall gross revenues or net profits, which yours is, you you cannot be flippant about it. You you cannot just go, I'll buy new and screw it because that'll, that'll sink you, okay? So that, that means I'm going to be working with you stuff. Now, the second rule is it's got to keep running. I got to keep it running or the jobs don't move. That's a problem, or I got to move up out of it because that means the equipment has just become completely unreliable, and I'm going to have to move up some versus repairing it. The third thing is you probably can never justify the move up based on the cost of repairs versus the increased cost to move up in number of years. It's a luxury to move up. It's very seldom a mathematical necessity. And I think those three principles will walk you through it. Uh, and that'll take some of the, and, and I guess all the while we're remembering my little boy emotions of, I just want a better one, screw it. And I can't let that run make my business decisions because wise business people buy the cheapest thing that gets the job done. Gets the job done means it's reliable and it doesn't lay down all the time. I don't really care about the sex appeal of your bulldozer. Seriously. You know, I just don't, that's dumb, but people do. They're like, I got me a new one. You know, oh my God, what are you dumb? I mean, you just, you just took all this money and uh, no, don't do that. But man, I can do it. I can do it in a heartbeat. I have to watch around here and I got guys on our team, the tech, the technical guys, they like toys too. And uh, we have a phrase around here called MF minimal functional. Yeah. That's what that stands for. Don't come in here with a freaking Bentley of radio equipment stuff and it's no it's a dadgum microphone talk into it makes noise that's what it has to do this is the entree leadership podcast we just got back from summit 2024 in dallas and it was absolutely incredible y'all if you missed it you don't want to miss the next one me and a few thousand small business leaders are going to denver next may to hear from john maxwell pat lincioni dr john deloney and many many more plus for the first time ever we're doing reserved seating. The sooner you lock in your tickets, the better your seats will be. But hundreds of tickets are already gone. So don't wait. Go to entreleadership.com slash summit to reserve your seats today. Thanks for joining us, America. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Mo is next in Detroit. Hi, Mo. Welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. How can I help? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. It's it's really an honor. You uh, you changed my wife's life and I cool. uh, with your financial peace and the entre leadership has just been an awesome, godly, you know, blessing to our business. So well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. How can we help today? Yeah. yeah. So I'm the owner of a young residential tree service. Last year, we cleared a little bit over 300000 in revenue. And this year, we're looking on track to do about 750 and including my wife and I, we have five employees total. Mm -hmm. And so the situation is everything's great. You know, we've been very blessed. Um, yeah, you doubled. We're, we're excited. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're excited. And, I uh, I could double every year. That'd be neat, <laughs> man. If you were doubling every year, Holy cow. Yeah, really? <laughs> you only only two cows. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Dave. I, uh, so basically my brother, is one of the employees mm -hmm. and when it's good, it's great. And when it's not, it's not. Um, and we're working really hard to develop a culture that's, you know, rooted in my faith. And I'm in this challenging position of having him 
have, you know, behaviors that are kind of consistent and they're antagonistic to the culture. But then my my higher calling and priority is, you know, that I witness and reflect my actual beliefs, you know, and that I actually, you know, extend grace and mercy. Um, so I'm in that challenging position and I'm just curious what you would do and if you have any opinions on that. Um, allowing someone that we love to misbehave is not grace and mercy. It's cowardice. Okay. That's not that grace and mercy is kindness and loving someone enough to say, Hey man, I love you so much. I mean, I'll do anything for you, but you, you know, I'm growing a company that's we're going to act this way at this company. And if you don't want to act this way, you can't be here because it's not good for you because the guys don't look up to you. And, um, so it's, and, and it may not be for you. Um, and we'll still be brothers and I'll still love you and I'll still help you in other ways. But if, if you're going to be here, the folks that work here do it this way. And, um, that's the net, net, net. Now, I mean, you can get there in gradual conversations, but um, uh, if I have uh, some, if I have a good friend, um, which I don't at the moment, this, so this is a false example, okay? But I have had this happen um, that um, is addicted to cocaine. He's not working for me, but let's just say I've got a good friend. If I just wink at him and go, well, I'm a, I'm a person of grace and mercy, and so um, I'm not going to address that. I'm just going to smile and pat him on the back, and we're all going to go on our way because I'm kind and I'm graceful and I'm full of mercy. That's not really mercy. That's just cowardice. I'm not really loving him by letting him kill himself. He's my friend. I'm supposed to love him enough to say, hey, dude, man, you're killing yourself. Your wife's going to leave. You're going to lose everything. Your kids aren't going to respect you. You're going to ruin your career. I mean, man, I love you. Come on, I'll, I'll go with you. Let's go down here and sign you into rehab, and I'll pay for it. Uh, let's go down here and let's do something. I mean, dude, I am. you're not going to do cocaine in front of me and, be, and, and me be okay with it. I don't think that's cute. I think that's a drug addiction, and I think it's going to ruin your life, and I love you too much to participate in any way with a tacit endorsement, meaning standing by and watching it happen and saying nothing. So that's an extreme example, but now let's take that over into the company and with your brother. And so if um, Rachel Cruz, my daughter, Ramsey Personality, decides um, that she's going to uh, cuss everybody out in the control room, well, we're not going to do that. By the way, that wouldn't even occur to her. But um, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre example. But but I mean, I would, would just be sitting me, down yeah. with her and going, "Hey, that's not going to get you where you want to go. You know, it's not good for you. I love you too much to allow that kind of behavior to go on as my daughter, as a team member. Even if you're a grown up, I'm going to stand in here and say, "Hey, that's bad. Don't do that." It's not me being a daddy. That's just me being a loving friend that says, I'm not going to participate in things that are not good for you. And that's your brother. So he's swearing, he's out drinking, he's carrying on, he's not reliable. Um, he, he's antagonistic to you behind your back, probably. Um, and the guys don't look up to him 
and he stands out like a sore thumb because he's very different from everybody else there. Is that what I heard? Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you heard even more than I said. I mean, he's, yeah. Well, I've just done ways, this yeah. a while. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's great in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't, I I'm not saying he's a bad dude. Really I'm just hard. saying he's, his no, mouth no, is filthy not. and he's, he's antagonistic to the process. Yeah. And he, he yeah. think he, he thinks he gets it. He thinks he's got to get out of jail free card. Yes. It's like, so I'm going to sit down with him and go, uh, I'm revoking your get out of jail free card as an act of love. You know, I'm really, I'm going to sit down and go, Hey man, I love you so much. And I got to tell you, man, me living my life the way I live it now is the best thing that's ever happened for me. I would love for that for you and the people that work on this team, all of them are going to be walking. We're going to have a level of uh, kindness with each other, with our customers. We're going to have a level of reliability. We're not going to run around here with filthy mouths because that indicates that that low vocabulary indicates a lack of intelligence, a lack of personal growth. And I'm just not going to do that. Um, and, and so, you know, I'll walk with you and you could slip up. It's not like you can never make a mistake, but I got to see you trying to join me in this walk. And okay. if you don't want to do that and you want to work somewhere else, I understand. Cause you think I'm a, if you, if he thinks you're some kind of holier than thou person or something, and you're too stuck up or, you know, you're too much of a Bible thumper or whatever it is. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to do all that stuff. Well, then you don't want to work here. Cause it's not gonna be fun for you. Mm-hmm. You got to go hang out with people like you, you know, and this is people like me here. And so like, I've got relatives that are, that are that way and I still love them and we still have relationships. I'm not mad at them, but that I don't, I'm not going to hang with that every day. I don't want that stuff in my life. And I certainly don't want it in my company. Okay. So does that make sense? I mean, it, it's, you're not extending grace. You're, you're just if not. If I don't address it. Yeah. It, it, Cause it's not helping him. Right. right. I'm thinking about him. I'm trying to help him. And the net net is it helps you and it helps the other people on the team when we help him. But I, you know, him, no matter where he is until he stops doing that, he's not going to have his best life. Agreed. I agreed. Yeah. So we're not helping him by allowing him to now again, if he says, Hey, I'll work on it. I'm, I'm uh, okay. Okay. And then, and then the next week he slips up. Well, that's fine. I'll give him, so I'll give him a pass. It's not like a hundred percent. You got to be perfect day one, but we got to be heading that way versus, you know, my goal in life is screw everything around here up. No, thank you. You know, cause he kind of got this weird thing going, like he can get away with it cause he's the brother, you know, and that's, that's the problem with family business. The other thing you can keep in mind from this point forward with family business, and we talk about it on here all the time, is the hats thing. Have you heard me talk about that? Actually, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, uh, I had a, uh, Henry Cloud tells a story of a, a dad that had his kid working for him, and the kid was goofing off, and he was mistreating people inside the business. And uh, Hen- the guy bought two hats, boss and dad. And he called the kid up and he, they had worked with him and tried to get him to straighten up, tried to get him to treat people right, tried to get him to be nice. This was an ongoing conversation for two years. And finally it reached the end. He saw him down on the factory floor cussing a guy and he knocked on the window, called him up to his office. He called him up, he put on his boss hat 
and he said, um, we've worked with you and worked with you and tried to get you to be nice to people. I'm not going to have people treating people that way inside my business. You're fired. He took his boss hat off and put his dad hat on, and he said, son, I heard you just lost your job. How can I help you? Okay. So <laughs> the beautiful part about that story is, is there's two roles here. At work, Mo, you're the owner of the business. Everyone that works there should treat you with the respect and kindness that is due the the owner of the business. And you should treat everyone that works in the business with dignity and serve them and help them be their best selves, right? Mm-hmm. You're wearing the boss hat. You're wearing the leader hat, the owner hat. And while I'm at work, brother, I'm the CEO and you're a worker. And I'm going to treat you like I would treat my other workers with dignity. I'm going to pay you fair. I'm going to be kind to you. And uh, I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm, we're going to we're going to go make some bunch of money together, and I'm going to treat you like I treat everybody else that works here, and you're going to treat me like I'm your boss because I am. And then when we leave work and we go to Thanksgiving dinner, I'll put on my brother hat, you put on your brother hat, and we'll tell brother jokes and cut up and carry on like two brothers at Thanksgiving dinner. But at Thanksgiving dinner, we're two brothers. That's different roles. So the Ramseys do it that way. We, we talk about hats at Thanksgiving dinner because a bunch of us work here. And at Thanksgiving dinner, there's people there that don't work here and they don't want us all talking business the whole time. So we don't, we wear on, I only wear my Papa Dave hat when I'm with the grandkids. I don't wear CEO Dave Ramsey hat. You follow me? Yeah. And, and, but when I'm CEO, I mean, Rachel Cruz, Daniel Ramsey, Willie Robertson was with us at, at Entree Leadership Summit last week, and Daniel was telling me at breakfast this morning, Willie asked him, hey, why do you call your dad Dave? Because at work, he's Dave. Everybody here calls me Dave. No one here calls me Daddy. Right? But at home, I'm Papa Dave with a grandkid on my knee. Right? And so you, tr- you change roles. And so... That, that's a family business thing. You, you, you're setting up this idea of at work, this is who we are. And, and what happens is you go, well, I can't do that to my brother. Oh, yeah, you absolutely better. You better love your brother more than you love anybody else that works there. So much that you're not going to tolerate him's crap and his misbehavior for his own good, Mo. So have courage, kindly, gently, but very strong we're going to have a very strong conversation and we're going to start moving in this direction or we're going to start moving out one of the two. We got to move in this direction. It's good stuff. Really, really good question. We appreciate you joining us. Hey guys, remember better a weary warrior than a quivering critic. Leaders serve. Leaders are active, not passive. Leaders act on principle, not appearances. This world needs more high quality leaders. So choose to lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast.